Good morning. Welcome to Keystone. My name is Ryan King. I work here uh, with our students and our young adults, and I'm so excited. I always love to have the honor and the privilege to speak on the stage today. Um, I've been telling everybody that I've been very excited for today, and they're like, well, what else is new? You're always excited all the time. Uh, Somebody else calls when I teach Decaf Sunday. Um, So we're going to go. I got a lot to say, as always, but I'm really excited for this morning. So uh, let's jump in. I'm excited for the new series. So one of the things that I found really interesting um, as I started my journey in faith and as I started really following Jesus was not necessarily the idea of always going like of heaven and hell. Because when I grew up, like that seemed to be the center of a lot of faith and a, a lot of faith conversations was, was, was I going to go to heaven and hell and where had I like put my trust and all that? And that was always the conversation. But the more I dug into my faith and the more I actually read Jesus's words for myself, it wasn't so much about where, where I was going, but where I was right then. I think Jesus was really, really interested about how we are living our lives now. I think, I think he wants us to be in heaven with him, but a lot of his words talked about how are we living now. And in this series, we're really looking at this little chunk um, that Jesus said that a guy named John who lived and breathed and walked with Jesus recorded um, and, and, and these are the words that are kind of like the very like core of the series. And it's, uh, Jesus says, Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they, that we as followers may have life and have it to the full. So as I was thinking about this and like really like looking at this statement, the, the question came up, and I think it's a question that echoes in the back of our consciousness a lot, is am I living life to the fullest. We all, we all think this, this question, like, am I really living life to its fullest? And, and if we are going to give an honest answer to this, I think that the reply would come back, well, it could be fuller, right? We have this idea that when life is the fullest, we'll know when we get there. We'll know what it will be like when, when everything is full. So then how, how do we get there? How do we get to fully alive? And I think, like, how do we get to that, like, slam dunk, hole-in-one, beautiful facial complexion, like, full glass, fully alive? And I think the way we answer this is we do a bunch of stuff. We've, we've grabbed onto the mentality of Nike, right? Just do it. And what we're going to do is we're going to do all of it. We jam our schedules. We have, we have work. We have friends. We have family. We, we have sports and hobbies. We try to fill every moment of every day until your calendar is just like jam-packed, like everything is colored in and some things are overlapping and you're working through it. We're, 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 just, we're just trying to do everything, and there's this amazing quote, um, and our women's ministry has already uh, studied um, kind of the preface of this person's work. Um, her name's Sandra Stanley. She's married to Andy Stanley, um, and she's kind of a, a lead voice in the modern church, and she says this, and this is perfect. Sometimes our days are so full that we don't enjoy anything because we are so busy doing everything. There's just a truth that echoes in that for us. We're so busy doing everything that we really don't enjoy anything. Eventually, the Nike just do it becomes Nike just busy, right? Right, we're just, we're just busy. And if we were honest, this word busy has come to be kind of the bane of our existence a little bit, right? I, I have so many conversations where people ask me or I ask them, I'm like, how are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm just so busy, right? How's your day going? I'm just, I'm just so busy. Do you wanna be my friend? I'm just too busy. That's an answer I get a lot of the time, but 
I think that something else is going on there. But it's really interesting because this, this word is becoming so like prominent in our culture. And, and I looked up the definition because I kind of lost what the idea was. And it's this, busy, your name here. Right? And for a lot of us, we, like, we relate. Like, like if we were to define busy, it would be our life. It would be our name there. We're just so busy. And this word, I've, I've like started to wage a war on busy because it's like, it's so like, that's like almost like an excuse. It's like, I, I just say that because it's just what it is. But, but everybody is busy. I get this feeling that the busyness of our lives are start, is starting to, to flood and overfull, uh, overfill. And, and our lives are full but it's not our life to the fullest. We're not living fully alive. And what's interesting, so talking about busyness, I was on, I was, I was on the phone with my friend um, the other day, um, and I, he was like, yeah, what are you teaching on like this upcoming Sunday? And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be teaching about like, like busyness and how to overcome that. And he just, he just laughed. He didn't even respond, it was just laughter. And, and the more I talked to people, like the more they just laughed when they heard that I was teaching this, right? Teaching about busyness and how to overcome that because I am like the poster child for being bad at busyness. Like I, I remember when I started to really rev the motors on, on like a full schedule on being busy was in college where I could choose my own things. There was one semester I remember I was doing 16 credits of school, 25 hours of work at the bookstore, interning at a church, managing a new relationship with a girl at the time. Um, I was the active music director of a radio station. Um, I was meeting with a small group weekly and trying to do all the, the homework and the college shenanigans that college kids do. They're all good things though. All, always, always good things. But it was so full. And what's interesting is we can sit there and like, I can even list all that stuff. And I'm like, man, that's so impressive. Like you are doing so many things like that. That's so good. But, but what's interesting is that time of my life was probably the worst time of my life. And I could be just blunt. It was actually the, the time of my life where I suffered and dealt with the most depression that I've ever dealt with in my entire life. And it was caused by me. See, I'd bought into the lie, and, and, and this is the lie here, that the busier I am, the more valuable I am. And I, we, we play this like deceptive game where we ask somebody about their busyness and they list all their things. And then it, like personally, we're like, well, I'm doing way more things, right? We have this idea that the busier we are, the more valuable we are. But I think that can be so destructive. And today, I think for all of us, if we could take a step back, there's something that we're desperately missing that God desperately wants for us, and it's radical rest. So if you're already like, if you've already like fallen asleep, come back. This is our big idea for the day. And you can just like write this on your hand or write this on like your paper and then you learn something. So when somebody asks like, what did you learn at church? It's right there. It's on your hand. You don't have to pay attention anymore. You should because it's going to be good. But it says this, rest is the radical way to the fullest life possible. And I love this word. Rest is the radical. And I love that word radical because there's energy in that. A lot of the time we think rest is passive, but I think we should see rest as an active and powerful thing in our life. And that's what we're digging in. And, and, and there's a story in the Bible that really never resonated with me. I've heard it a, a, a fair amount of times until I realized that by doing everything, I was missing out on the fullest life possible. So where this is in our Bibles, it's in uh, the book of Luke. And I love the book of Luke because Luke's a really cool guy. He was a historian and he was a doctor in ancient times. And at the beginning of his gospel or his account of Jesus's life, he says, I have thoroughly investigated 
all of the things, right? He's, he's looked at, he's talked to eyewitnesses, he's investigating, he compiled this, this story, this history of Jesus' life. So that's where our story is today. That's where we are diving in. We're in Luke 10. So it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, so this is the middle of their ministry, they're, they're healing people, they're, they're, they're traveling around, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And as we start into the story, I kind of want to build a little bit of the context. The village that's here, it's actually the village of Bethany. Um, and what's really cool about Bethany, it's a mile and a half away from Jerusalem, which is really, really cr- close. And Jerusalem, again, is like that hub of Jewish culture. It's a hub within the Middle East. So Bethany is really close. It's a pretty important village. And here's a, a picture of what it would have looked like based on like archaeological findings. I love visual things, so like I can kind of find myself in the place. So Jesus is walking into this village, and he meets this woman named Martha. So the next detail we pick up on is that she opened her home to him, which might sound weird. Like if like a gang of dudes like walk down the street, you're not like, hey, come on in. But like in the Middle East, it would like there was a common practice of incredible hospitality. Like, I remember when I was in Turkey uh, last summer, like, everywhere we went, restaurants or homes or just people we met, they were so hospitable. They always reached out and they were so warm and wanted to make sure that your experience was positive. So, so that's the other thing, like, and we can't lose that. Like, hospitality is so important to the culture then, and it's still important to them today. Now, the last detail, which is easy to roll over, especially when you're um, uh, reading the Bible, is the idea of disciples. So a lot of the time we think it's like Jesus and his elite 12 um, that are coming up. But it's, it's actually, this is really fascinating, is in the same chapter, it talks about 72 other disciples that had come back to him after they had spread some of the word about Jesus living. So w- some scholars think like the people that were at Martha's house could have been just Jesus, or there could have been like upwards of 85 people. Like in that range, there's, there's that amount of people. So if we put our shoe, like ourselves in, in uh, Martha's shoes here, like if I was to tell you like, hey, after church today, um, there's, I'm gonna invite about 12 to 85 people over to your house. One of them is the son of God. So there's that as well. Um, like you're honestly like, all right, I gotta put the good dishes out, the good towels, freshen up the guac. We're gonna get this ready. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a party, right? Like the house is gonna be packed. The fest is gonna be lit. It's gonna be a good time. But you can feel the anxiety levels rising a little bit. So Martha invites them into her house, but it's a big responsibility. So let's see what happens next. So Luke continues to write and he says, she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So there's, there's a couple things that are going on here. And if we slow down, we can really start to, to feel a little bit of the tension that's just in this little paragraph. First is the character of Mary. If we turn our lens to her, we see two identities that she's given. The first identity is as Martha's sister. And as Martha's sister, it's her duty to be part of the, the household and to, to prepare and, and to be hospitable to the guests. Mary was supposed to be helping out. But the second identity we see here is that she was sitting at the Lord's feet. And, and to sit at someone's feet in the ancient culture kind of meant to, to learn from them, to be a student of them, or even to, to be a disciple of them. So Mary has two identities, one as the sister, one as the disciple, and they've come into tension in this moment. But of these two identities, she's chosen Jesus. And I love that, and we can't 
miss that. So let's switch the lens over to Martha, though. So this is happening at the same time. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, I love bringing this up every time I teach because the Bible wasn't ever written in English. It was written in Greek, and we've translated it. And there's some words in there, and we're going to talk about this one, distracted, that if we look into it, there's some connotation that that really kind of brings to life what's going on in this story. Um, And also, I took two years of ancient Greek, and it's been useless in my life, so this is at least a moment of me to feel like I did something. Um, So it's this word here. Um, It's, uh, I wrote it down. It's per, see, I didn't even learn it, right? It's perispao. Perispao is this word. And it means distracted and troubled, but the connotation is being pulled and dragged in many directions. We can relate to this. Like I imagine, like, again, I like to build a little bit of the story that's going on. Like she's there, she's grinding up them chickpeas. She's going to make the hottest, like freaking like hummus in all of the world. She's getting that going. She's making sure the rugs are good. She's looking over. She's like, all right, Jesus has the lazy boy. That's good. Everybody else got a chair, right? She's yelling at John upstairs. She's like, John, if you use the bathroom, please use the Febreze, right? Last time you ruined it. Like I imagine we've got to put ourselves into the feet of Mary because she's distracted. She's being pulled by many things. She's trying to be a good host. Like, again, going back to our situation, if we were to have people over at our house, we're not just, like, chilling. We're, we're trying to get the food ready. We're making sure everyone is comfortable. Like, there's this energy that's in that. And I think, uh, again, uh, Mary, uh, Martha, she, she's running around doing all these things. And I imagine she, like, looks over. She, like, sees Mary there. And if you've ever, like, had to do your dinner dishes and one of your siblings, like, hey, I have to go use the bathroom. And then, like, 30 minutes later, they're like, oh, the dishes are done. How did that happen? Right? And some of you are that person. We know. Jesus knows. Right? You kind of feel the tension that Martha feels here, right? Mary's just chilling, and, she's, and Martha's like, why is she not doing anything? And I love what Martha does here. It's so human. It's so beautiful. Um, so Luke uh, 10, 40, it continues on, and it says this. Um, she, Martha, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Again, going back to the sibling thing, you, you would, like, make fun of your sibling, but you always went to mom and dad. You're like, Mom, Sarah is not doing anything right now. She needs to be punished right? She needs to help, right? Like we relate with this. So I imagine Martha goes over and she's like, and, and I love this moment too. Again, putting ourselves in the story, I imagine like the room goes quiet a little bit. Someone in the back's like, oh, like they're ready like for a throwdown. So, like they're looking at each other they're like, mm, Mary's going to get in trouble, right? Like there's, there's some tension that's in the room at this moment. And, and we lose that if we just move past it. But if we put ourselves in the story, we can really start to feel some of this tension. And Jesus always, like you're like, all right, like Mary's going to get told what to do and everybody's going to continue on. Jesus always just astounds everyone. It would have been astounding to the people in the room and it would have been astounding to Martha and it should be astounding to us because this is his response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. I love that so much. And in this moment, if we turn our lens to, to, to Martha, we can see that she's, she's anxious and troubled about things. But like, if we can empathize with her a little bit, it, she's not doing anything wrong. She's actually doing some, some really good things here. She's trying, she's trying to be kind and love her guests and show hospitality, right? She, she's choosing to do something good, but it's actually at the expense of something great. 
And, and we can relate to this. It's, it's the college student whose schedule is so full of classes and homework and, and, and they're working a job and they're trying to figure out things and their whole life they went to church and youth group, but now that they've had their own choices, they kind of put it on the back burner. And they know about campus ministry, but they said later to that. But the, the unfortunate reality is a lot of the time later becomes never. Or if you're a parent, like you, you get home from work and you've been working hard and, and you're really trying to do a good, good, like good job at work and, and it's just been stressful recently and you get home and you just want to crash on the couch, right? But then one of your kids comes up and they're like, hey, like, can you help me out with homework? Can, can, can we play some catch? Can we play some Legos, right? Like kids are always going and you're just like, oh, in this moment, like just later, okay? But unfortunately, after a time, it becomes a rhythm and later becomes never. Or even in our physical health, right? We have busy schedules, so sometimes it's hard to really pack that lunch we know we should have, so we go to the Golden Arches, right? And we're like, oh, I'll get to the gym, I'll get like a membership there, but then we have a work meeting the other day, and we have to like go to the kids' event, which is at that night, so, so we pick something else up. And eventually, like, we can count the amount of times we've gone to the gym on one hand, and we can count the amount of pounds we've gained on maybe more than one hand, Right? Because we said later to living healthy, and later has become never. See, we're all parasipeo. We're all pulled and dragged in multiple directions. And I think if Jesus talked to us, he would say, you're so, you're so anxious and troubled. And, and I think that Jesus here isn't so much rebuking Martha. So if we could pull up that passage. Uh, again, I, I love what he says. Like, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And if you know a little bit of Bible, uh, a lot of the time, like, there's only a few times that a name is used twice, like, repeated like this. And a lot of the time, it's when God enters into a situation, and he's trying to, he's trying to have them have a change in identity, to see how they've been living, and then to pivot and live in a different way. And I think, honestly, if Jesus was to talk to us today, he would, he would say the same thing. He'd say, Ryan... Ryan, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Put your name there, right? This is the, the busy, your name here. And if we put our name there, like we could feel like you are anxious and troubled about many things. But Jesus would say, but few things are needed and indeed only one. And, and the one thing we know on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection is that Jesus is the one. He's the one that, that, that gives us life. He's the one that says, in me there is a full and abundant life. Jesus says if we stake our lives, our schedules, our busyness on him, we'll have a life that is fully alive. So then how do we do that? And this is something we miss in the Bible because we, we move on and it, it, the story just ends. Like a lot of the time, I love the biblical authors just end their stories. And it's not like, oh, and Martha changed her ways and she sat at the feet. Like we don't know what happened next. Because I think what the biblical authors want us to, to, to ask ourselves is what would we do? Where are we in the story? How would we change? They're, they're trying to push their audience and their readers a little bit to think about that, not just to move on. And that's what we need to think about here in, in, in this lesson and even in our lives. Um, because when it comes to rest, again, our idea, our topic of today is rest. We need to approach it radically. We need to approach it intentionally and purposefully. Because in our Midwestern culture, I can at least speak to that because I've lived here my whole life. I think we, we think rest is the, is the margin of our time. 
We think rest, it's like the, cr- the, the crust and the leftovers of our time. That's when we will rest. We'll rest like between events when we can sit in our car and we can just like take a quick breath, right? We'll rest once we put the kids to sleep, but before we have to go to sleep because that's kind of the only time. We think rest is only in the margin. But actually what I want to introduce and want to challenge us with this morning is, is that rest needs to be an intentional discipline, so there's three things that rest needs to be to be real. And, and we're going to talk about it. I'm super jazzed about these. I like thought about these and I was like, oh, I'm such a sensei. So I'm really stoked. And I hope you believe that too. But I think it's good. Like I'm so excited. This is good stuff. Um, so the first one, rest has to be three things. And the first one that rest has to be, it has to be rest from. I think, again, rest needs to be an action. It needs to be radical. It needs to be directional. We need rest from. And I think it, it, we need rest from not only the physical running around that we're doing in our schedules, but we need rest from the mental and the emotional and even the spiritual busyness that we've put into our life. I think when, when we remove ourselves from the busyness, we, we start to face the lie that we are what we do. But we have to remember, this is something that, that Brady has shared before, that we are um, human beings not human doings. And again, doing things is good. It's positive. But I think God would say we are more than what we do. We are more than our achievements. So I work with, I work with a lot of students here at Keystone, um, and I work with a lot at camp. And something that continued to echo, echo with students is they were being taught this idea that they were what they do. And I think this has been unintentional by our culture, but it's there. Because students would say, like, I'm just, I'm just so worried about this test. I'm just so worried, like, if I don't get an A, like, what will my parents think of me? Like, if I don't get an A, like, what will I think of me? Or if I don't make it into this sport, or if I don't, like, continue to get all A's throughout school, what kind of school will I get to go to? Like, they're so wrapped up in, like, my achievements are who I am. My achievements are where I am going. And again, here, doing things and, and, and having achievements isn't bad. But when we allow those to become our identity, that's where it can become toxic. And I think as parents, we also have to understand our identity is not necessarily our children either. And we've lived in a culture where, where we push, like, if your kids are good at everything, they're good at sports, they're good looking, they're good, like, academics, and I failed on all of those. It's like, um, I'm just kidding, I was so good at all of them, my parents are like, we good. But, um, but no, like, I think as parents, we, we have this idea that we are how good our kids are. And if we are real, kids are not good a lot of the time. Maybe yours are, yours are better. My mom told me that I was not, so... Um, But again, we can't have our identity wrapped up in the things that we do. And and there's a pastor. This is like one of my favorite quotes of all time. So like if you have something to write with, write this down. When a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, ultimately it becomes a destructive thing. Pastor Scott Nichols said that he's from uh, Colorado. Uh, When a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, ultimately it becomes a destructive thing. And if we were to look at some of the good things in our life, have we allowed those to control who and what we are? See, Martha, when she was operating in the story, she was doing good things, but she allowed the good things to distract her from the true ultimate thing, which was Jesus in that moment. So what does this look like very literally in our life? It's us actually like, this is kind of like the real challenge, like before Sunday ends, before today ends, like open up your calendar. And, and very intentionally be like, all right, five minutes a day, I am going to just 
do nothing. I'm going to rest from all of the busyness that day will have. And maybe you don't have five minutes a day, which I think, again, we all have five minutes a day if, if we really worked at it. But, but maybe it's half an hour on a weekend where we remove ourselves from the busyness. And then the next part of rest, so that's just one part, because I think rest, again, is intentional, and it's real, and it's purposeful. The next part is resting in, right? Once we've removed ourselves from, we can start to rest in. We can start to, to be in a space where we can start to look at our lives. Because here's the thing, I, I told my friend, again, when I was on that phone call telling him about this teaching, I was like, the reason I don't like resting is because I have to face myself, and sometimes I don't like who I am, or sometimes I don't like who I am becoming. Because I think a, a lot of the time, we use busyness, we use doing things uh, to kind of cover up some of the things we don't want to think about. Like think about it as like a, like a mental garage of your life. Because this is, this is what I think about. Like all of the relationships I've had, whether it's with friends or broken relationships uh, with significant others, like if those relationships have soured and gone wrong, I think about like, oh man, like if they don't love me, like it, it, am I not worth love? Did, did I mess up? Am I not worthwhile? And I'm like, that's a scary thought, so I'm going to throw it into the garage of my life. Right, and then I go on and I start living my day-to-day -day life, I'm doing my day-to-day -day work, and then this thought pops in my head, is what I'm doing matter? And that's a scary thought, so I'm going to just throw that into the garage of my life and shut the door on it. And then sometimes I have to face my faith, and I have to think, like, is this really real? And that's a scary thing. I don't want to, so I throw that in the mental garage of my life. And the problem with rest, then, is when we've removed the distractions, we have to open up the garage door and look at the mess that's in there and look at the things that we've kind of been putting off thinking about and processing through. But I think, honestly, if we want to live fully alive, like, you can, if, if you want to leave here and you want to just leave the garage where it's at, sometimes that's just the reality. But if we want to achieve fully alive, then we need to do some spring cleaning, right? We need to open the garage and we need to face ourselves. And though it's scary... God and Jesus says he's going to be with us in that. There's, there's one psalm, and I couldn't not use this in this sermon, because this is like one of the best, most popular, beautiful psalms of all time. It's just like the little piece of it, too. It's Psalm 4610, and the psalm's kind of just like a song uh, or a praise, and it says this. It, it reflects on God's character. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And this reflects that rest in concept so well that if we just like chill, if we just breathe, if we just take some time to think, then we're going to have to face some scary things, but we're also going to be there with God. That's why I love Christianity, because it's a with God life. And, and, and he says, be still and know that I'm God. I am with you. All of the characteristics, I am the God of the universe. I know who you are and I will be with you because I believe the God that has the power to raise Christ from the dead has the power to help you face the scary and dead things that are in your life. And one of the things about resting in, I think we blow by this too often, but to make it very real, like I think Jesus, like I try to put myself in this situation to make Jesus re like real to me because sometimes I doubt my faith. But it's that like when Jesus is on the cross, I imagine him looking at me and saying, this is worth it for you. You are worth it. And that, 
That's resting in, is resting in that I am valuable enough for that, that Jesus loves me enough for that, that God would do that for me. And that's what I think resting in really is. So then, again, let's make it very real. How do we apply resting into our life? It's sitting down, and it's just asking the question, how am I doing? How am I doing? And taking some time to unpack that. Because sometimes we're doing fine. Like maybe you don't have the, the garage full of, of things. Maybe you're doing fine, and that's good. But at least know where you are at. And then I think this is the last part. When, when we rest from and we rest in, then we get to do the coolest part and why rest of why rest is so important, and it's resting for. And I think this is, again, this is one of the most beautiful parts of, of why rest is so good, and, and I think we blow past this part, is that when we rest from, we take time in our life, we rest in who we really are, and we face some of the messes, then we can approach our life again with renewed purpose, Going back to Martha, I don't know if we would have this story if Martha was centered on Christ. But I think the reason we have this story in the Bible is because Martha was so distracted. She had lost why she was doing what she was doing. She was defined by the things she was doing rather than being defined by Jesus. Right? Like, and I think we need to, to recognize that too. Like, Doing things is good, but we need to understand why we are doing what we are doing. I think her anxiety would have lessened. I think our anxiety would lessen if we allow ourselves some rest to understand why, why are we the parent that we are? Why am I the student that I am? Why am I the Christian that I am? And, and in those questions, we, we can start to live a fully alive life because I think rest again, it gives us the renewed purpose to see through the lens of Christ, to see our entire lives in this way. So as I end, um, I just have a couple questions and then just like some just like very real things to just talk about as, as we leave these doors and as we go back into our busy lives. And, and it's just the questions of like, do you feel tired? Do you feel exhausted? Do you feel burdened or anxious? I was telling him again, at the same phone call, the same friend, I was telling him this week, like literally this week leading up to this teaching, I felt like a car, like that comic of a car. And by the end of the week, I was just holding the steering wheel because it's all falling apart. Like, like things are just, I'm just trying to get to the weekend. I'm just trying to make it through the week because I just feel tired and exhausted and fatigued to the core of who I am. So here, like, I'm not good at this, but I'm going to try to be. Because I think Jesus wants you to, to, to slow down. He wants to invite you in. He wasn't rebuking Mary. He was inviting her. He wants to invite you to this fully alive life. And realize going out, like, it's easy, again, I know it's like to sit and, and, and listen to this, and it's like, oh, that sounds so good. But when we leave, it's hard, so we need to be intentional with the things we learn. Because, like, even if you don't have, like, your calendar full of events, we still have our cell phone and our social media. We're trying to connect with friends. We have, like, there's the basketball thing that is going. I have no idea what's going on with that, but you all do, so that's cool. Um, but, like, we have all these things we're keeping track of that will fill up the little cracks of our day that we, so we have nothing to do. This is, like, like, sometimes I need the concrete things because I can be all over the place. Real rest is time to close your eyes and breathe. Real rest is time to, to actually pray, even though it might be weird, right? Like prayer might be weird for you because like, I haven't done this in forever. Real rest is just, again, thinking. Real rest is journaling. 
Real rest is actually opening the Bible that's covered up in dust in our house, which is a reality I've lived with, and and actually seeing what Jesus has to say in that. And it's confusing and it's hard. But again, if we want to achieve fully alive, we have to do hard things. So as you go, my challenge again is is don't let this day, don't let this message slip away. If, If you would say my life is defined by busy, make the change. Rest has to become rhythm. Rest is going to be hard. Rest has to be intentional. But I think we can get there if we work alongside Jesus. And again, going back to that big idea, rest is really the radical way to the fullest life possible. Will you stand and pray with me this morning? Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you have given us this story. Thank you for, for Martha, who's so real and who's so like me, right? I wish I was more like Mary sometimes, but I'd say I'm more like Mar- Martha. I'm so busy doing so many things. But God, I just pray for everyone here that we can, we can take a moment to rest from the craziness of life, that we can rest in who you say we are, and we can face some of those scary things we've been deflecting. But then out of that, God, we can have renewed purpose to why we are living the way we are living. Give us the strength, give us the time, give us the the, the inspiration to actually live this way in our lives so that we may achieve the fully alive life you desire for us. We pray these things in your name. And everyone said, all right, you guys have an awesome rest of your Sunday.